Yo, today's QOD is if you're willing to be a miserable human being that never spends any money, you can die with millions of dollars but live broke. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to our Finance Friday episode where we talk about all things money mindset. We've got Garrett Gunderson back on the show. And today, Garrett is going to share some more of that unconventional financial wisdom with you. And today he goes in on that very common advice that you need to live real broke in order to save up some money. And, you know, we've heard it before. Don't go get your cup of coffee anymore. Save that 3 or $4 or whatever it is. And I'm just not a huge fan, personally. Go enjoy your coffee. You know, in, in my opinion, it's not so much about cutting back. It's about putting more in. And when I say putting more in, I mean putting in more service, putting in more value to the marketplace, providing better solutions, providing better service for your customers or for your company. When you do that, your money situation kind of clears itself up. You know, I once heard from a very wise man that the amount of money that you have will always be in direct proportion to the quality and the quantity of the service that you provide. So if you don't have a lot of money right now, you got to think about, okay, what is the quality and the quantity of the service that I'm providing? How good am I at what I do? And how many people am I serving? And if it's not enough, if you feel like, nah, I can do more than this, then you can do more. And when you go out there and you give more, it just can't help but get more. Here's Garrett. I look the financial part, you know, long hair and all that kind of stuff. Don't tuck in my shirt because most of finance is really a load of crap when it comes down to it. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been shoveled the whole notion of if you just save enough money, sacrifice, scrimp, save, defer, delay, one day, someday, you can have this, you know, pile of money in the stock market. But the problem is the stock market has overpromised and underperformed for the majority of people. We did a study, and when I say we, we have two kind of full-time guys, and one of them, Stephen, went and did this research where he said, all right, what's the stock market actually done between the year 2000 and the year 2015, and we adjust it for inflation? Which, by the way, what do they say the stock market averages? 8% since 2000 BC or some nonsense like that, right? So what we found is 8% was accurate. It was 8.4% total over that period of time. So that isn't really gonna get people too far ahead. And the matter of fact is that you have a business that should far exceed and outperform any of that. And a business is something that you understand, that you relate to, yet at the same time, you're supposed to take money from that business and set it into investments that are highly speculative, that are hard to understand when they're gonna pay off, how they're gonna work, why they would earn a rate of return, how you're gonna benefit from them, yet that's what people are sold all day long. Now, the other thing that we're sold, and I'm sure you've heard it, is to live within your means, right? Everyone's hard to live within your means. When I submitted that for the title, um, Yannick denied it. He said that no one would show up, <laughs> right? Because it is, that's a pretty painful notion, live within your means. What do you think about doing with that? Cutting back, restriction. 
And here's the deal, no one shrinks their way to wealth. So if you start thinking in a reductionist mindset, it actually limits wealth, not grows it. But living within your means is good advice from the standpoint of you shouldn't spend a whole bunch more money than what you make and end up in a train wreck type of situation. But the thing is, what I wanna focus on today is a different way to live within your means, to be more efficient within your means, to find money and reclaim money that's rightfully yours, especially considering I think one of the major dangers to all entrepreneurs as we move forward is that there's this ridiculously massive deficit. And we could watch the news and get all depressed about that because you know it is kind of frustrating, or we could do something different, which is take some action where you can be really proactive around your taxes, and when they inevitably increase taxes, which by the way, anyone think they're lowering taxes in the near future by a show of hands, right? So, and right now we're at a historical low, by the way. Since the tax code came out in 1913, what do you think the average top rate has been? 67%. It's at 40% right now. So there's a lot of people that are deferring taxes into a future where they're gonna just get hit with major taxes. So I'd rather save you things than just have you delay things. So this will probably be different advice than a lot of your accounts have given you up until this point. And my objective is to make sure to give you things that you can put on the ground and implement immediately, whether you ever talk to us again or not, whether you ever see me again or not. I wanna make sure to give you a framework that in understanding this framework, you can avoid the two major tax traps that most people fall victim to. And these tax traps absolutely are gonna confiscate your, wealth, confiscate your wealth over time, but then I'm gonna give you the three-part framework of how you could save a massive amount of taxes and had lunch today with Ryan Lebesque. He's in the program, so I was telling him about some things he could do to cut some of his taxes in half. I was talking to, you know, Pete Vargas was at that table. We are talking about taxes. I mean, like, I know that's not an exciting topic for a lot of people, but I think keeping a bunch of money, and if I could simplify the tax thing for you because there's 77,000 supporting pages and documents around the tax code, Code, and that's why 93% of entrepreneurs overpay on their taxes. First of all, you might have this entrepreneurial disease called, I'll just, I'll just earn more. Anyone ever thought that? You know, I'll just earn my way out of that, right? And that's kind of like that proverbial treadmill. You get on and you run faster, you run harder. But if you have a whole bunch of leaks and you're disorganized in your finances, more money, as, my, as the poet laureate Biggie Smalls said, <laughs> more problems, right? More money, more problems. So... I wanna make sure that if there's more money, there's more that you keep, and the more that you make, there's an exponential amount that you get to keep, so that's why we're gonna emphasize and focus a little bit on the second way to live within your means, which is to be efficient within your means. Just to have efficiency, optimize your cash flow. Then the third way to live within your means, I think is the most critical thing, and it's probably why you're here in the first place, and that's to continually expand your means. Play a value creation game where you can impact people in a deeper way, or that you can impact more people, therefore making more money because dollars follow value. So the more value you can offer in the world, in the, world the more money you're gonna make. And really, there's kind of a framework out there that leads towards economic independence. So what I mean by economic independence is when you have enough investment income and some entrepreneurial income. The problem with entrepreneurial income is it's awesome, but it still does take quite a bit of a management, even if it's not you directly responsible for it. But it's still, if you can have income that comes in, even if you don't show up to the office or the basement for some of you, working in your underwear or whatever it is, you know, that happens with internet marketers at times. But you know, if, if you look at that and say, if you could create recurring revenue as the objective, recurring revenue to cover your basic expenses in life, that's economic independence. And why that's a really critical state to be in is if you can create that economic independent situation, that means every dollar you earn 
above and beyond your recurring revenue that doesn't cover your expenses, isn't encumbered by lifestyle, and go towards building assets, that's where exponential growth exists. Exponential growth doesn't exist in compound interest, even though I know you've been taught and, and trained that compound interest is some magical thing. Hell, it takes 30 years for it to ever kick in. I mean, how many people do you know other than the financial institutions that are rich because of compound interest? I remember Coach Dupin in, high, in a junior high, man. I think he's rich because of compound interest, but at the same time, he still has the first dollar he ever made. You know, he walked around this little small coal mining town I grew up in, in his cowboy boots everywhere around town, has the first vehicle that he ever bought that never drives anywhere because he'd probably have to put gas in it and that would cost him some money. And it lives in the same little house that you could probably buy for 20 grand. And I think that he's probably doing okay because of compound interest because he never utilized his money. And yet I think much of what you've been told is almost to make you feel guilty, like you should have started earlier. You should have saved more money earlier on. But you built a business. That is a huge advantage. As a matter of fact, 91% of people worth $5 million or more have one thing in common. I guess more than one because they're human beings and you know, they're alive. They're so, but they all own a damn business. And so all these financial books that you go out there and you read, they miss the most major component of what drives and generates wealth. I know that they want you to believe investing is synonymous with the stock market, and for some people it is, but for 90 plus percent of the population, they don't even know what's going on in the stock market, they don't study it. As a matter of fact, I'm in the world of finance and I have no money in the stock market because the stock I care about are the businesses that I'm involved in, and then I have a basic infrastructure I called cash flow banking that I learned by studying what the Rockefellers do. And I wrote a book called What Would the Rockefellers Do? Here's the premise of that book. Cornelius Vanderbilt had more money than the U.S. Treasury at one time. He died, and 54 years later, the first Vanderbilt died broke. So the Vanderbilt fortune has been absolutely decimated because they didn't understand how to translate and transfer wealth. As a matter of fact, most people never make it past the third generation, yet the Rockefellers are on their sixth generation of passing on wealth. They still donated $50 million to charity last year, and the net worth is growing, not diminishing. So I thought that would be something worthwhile to study, and what I realized is when it comes to the poor, the middle class, and even the working wealthy like entrepreneurs, a lot of times entrepreneurs have most of their wealth inside of their business, and therefore they miss out on how they can really build and sustain and pass on wealth because they don't take time to think about that because they're thinking about how to make more money. So first of all, if I can help them keep more money, but number two, if you could learn some of the Rockefeller method and their methodology, I think it'll help you leave more money behind, and not just behind, but live better along the way because a lot of people, they're you know, my early on in my life, I kind of read The Millionaire Next Door. Anyone read that book, Millionaire Next Door? If you haven't read it, this is the spoiler alert. If you're willing to be a miserable human being that never spends any money your whole life, you can die with millions of dollars but live broke, all right? It's kind of like Ebenezer Scrooge before the three ghosts, you know? It's like if you just drive a vehicle that's a jalopy that you hate and if you just never buy anything new, you can pinch pennies till you get blisters on your fingers and tell people you're a millionaire because they would never know it by knowing you. 
You ever have friends that are like that? Hell, I have a friend in Vegas that's like that. I don't, I don't even know that we're friends anymore because I'm not gonna go visit him because I remember we pulled onto the freeway and like his hubcap starts rolling out and it's probably gonna kill someone on the freeway. He's got his antenna, which was actually a you know, hanger that was dismantled. And then you get to his house and Vegas is known to get warm in the summer. Well, shit, it was warmer in his house. I swear he had his, his thermostat on 87 and I was like, hey bro, if I give you five bucks, can we turn it down to 70? Like, what would it take? Maybe I even, this, maybe you can make money on me. I'll pay more than that if we can just get it air conditioning working. You know they have that in today's world. So, see, the problem is that mindset is born and comes from scarcity, of lack, of fear, of doubt. And that kind of savings mindset is people don't actually save themselves rich, yet if they live that way, they miss out on living wealthy. And Benjamin Franklin said, wealth isn't the man that has it, but the man that lives it. All right, friends, that was Garrett Gunderson wrapping up the week on a Finance Friday. His website is wealthfactory.com. If you want to watch today's entire talk, you'll find it on YouTube. It is called How to Keep More of the Money You Make as an Entrepreneur with Garrett Gunderson. And if you want to pick up that book he was talking about, What Would the Rockefellers Do? It is available on Amazon.com. That is it for me. You enjoy the heck out of your weekend, and I will see you on Monday. I'm out. Peace. Peace.